0: Good morning. Listen, this morning we are going to conclude our series entitled CrossFit. We've talked about what it means to be fit. Not just to be physically fit, but to be spiritually fit. We've talked about endurance. We talked about that on Resurrection Sunday. The fact that God's Word tells us that He wants us to run the race with perseverance. Or to run the race with patience. The fact that we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Knowing that we can do this. Living our life having our focus be Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. We've talked about walking in strength and living in power. Last Sunday morning, we, we talked about the, the fact that God gives us, He gives us the opportunity to live our lives with power, right? And here's, and here's what the Word of God says. It says, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. We talked about the fact that, that when we put power and movement together, incredible things happen. Last Sunday morning we talked about the fact that God has given us this dunamis power, and you receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And, and the fact that the gift of the Holy Spirit, that it's very obvious that, it's a, that it is available, that it's a gift that God gives to all people right? That's what the the prophet Joel said. That's what Peter quotes there in Acts chapter 2, right? When the people are confused about what's going on, and Peter says, listen, these men are not drunk as you suppose. It's it's still in the morning, but this is the prophecy that Joel gave. This is you seeing that prophecy come to fruition. In the last days, I'll pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, upon everyone. There's no one who has prayed for to receive the Holy Spirit that did not receive the Holy Spirit, Last Sunday morning, with the opportunity to, to pray for folks to receive the Holy Spirit. And I, I loved what God did both in the chairs and, and, and also here around this altar. I had the opportunity to, to pray for a woman who actually she had, been, she had been wanting to receive this gift of the Holy Spirit with this spiritual language for over 60 years. She said she'd grown up in churches where, where she'd been taught this and, and knew that it was the norm, knew that it was biblical, but, but had, not, had not received it. And, uh, and I said, I said well, I said, I, said, I said, Mama, let me help you. I said, first of all, let me tell you this, that I don't see anywhere in Scripture where somebody has prayed for to receive the Holy Spirit that they don't receive the Holy Spirit. And so I, I want to pray for you to receive this, the, the Holy Spirit this morning, and, and I'm confident that you're going to receive the Holy Spirit. I said, but also, I said, here's what I want you to know. I said, just as God gives you this gift of the Holy Spirit this morning, I could give you a gift. For example, I could give you a dress. I don't have one for you, but hypothetically, I could give you a dress, correct? And if I gave you this dress, you get to choose what you do with it. You get to choose whether or not you ever put it on, right? You can put that thing in your closet. You can carry it around and show it to people. But whether or not you ever utilize it is entirely up to you. And you know what I have found? I have found this, that there's a lot of people In the church, there's a lot of people in the Pentecostal church that come to have an understanding of spiritual gifts. But here's what they do. They either put it in the closet and never use it, or they want to show it to people, but they never put it on. And so here's what I want you to know. I want you to know this, that if you are not currently or if you have never operated in spiritual gifts, including the gift of your spiritual language, if you are prayed for to receive the Holy Spirit, that gift is yours because God is faithful and he's no respecter of persons. The question is, will you utilize that gift? And my challenge to you is take advantage of, leverage Every gift that God has given you. Amen? Amen. Amen. Hey, this morning I want to talk to you about this issue of balance. Balance. There's a gentleman by the name of Joe Wells. Joe Wells was a a wealthy businessman in Memphis, Tennessee around the, 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 the turn of the century. Coming out of the 1800s into the 1900s, and, uh, and did uh, phenomenally well. He owned a manufacturing company, uh, he owned a brick plant, uh, he owned uh, an, an insurance company, and was a, a major investor in one of the large banks in Memphis. And then, and then 1929 hit, and Joe lost everything. Uh, he, he worked for a while. Um, as a laborer, he he became a teacher. He 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 he, he bought a taxi cab and uh, and started running a, a, a taxi cab. And then and then he opened a restaurant. And 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 in opening that restaurant, he he gave a job to his his grandson, Skip. And Skip. I had the opportunity to meet Skip oh, about probably seven or eight years ago now. And I didn't know him by the name Skip. I knew him by the name Pappy. Now, I, 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 want, to, I want to tell you something about Pappy, but before I do, I want you to know there are three things that people get very passionate about and very argumentative about. And so, you, you, you step into these types of conversations very cautiously. Okay. There, are th- there are three things. Number one, is politics. All right? You start talking politics, and it can very quickly turn into a heated argument, and passionate, dis- uh, um, you know, d- d- difficulties and debate, and potentially even a fist fight. Especially w- with where we are today politically. Religion, religion will do the same thing, right? Politics, religion, and barbecue. (laughs) Uh, Seriously, you talk to people about barbecue and they will get, people will become incensed, okay? In In Orlando, if you suggest that any barbecue is better than Four Rivers, people freak out, Okay, but let me help you, or, 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 or Orlandoites, Orlando Arians, or whatever we're supposed to be called. Um, those of us who live in Orlando. I, I listen. John Rivers is a wonderful man. Uh, John, if, if you happen to see this video, I, I love your stuff. Um, and um, anytime that you want to give it away for free, let me know, and I'm, I'm more than happy to pay for it as well. Uh, I think your stuff is 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 wonderful and scrumptious. scrumptious. Um, however, the best barbecue that I've ever had. It's actually they were they were rated by Food Network as having the best barbecued ribs in America. Is this place just north of downtown St. Louis called Pappies? And, uh, and 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 I tell you what, here's here's the thing about Pappies that uh, so if you if you look on their website, it will tell you their hours, and their hours are Monday through Saturday. Their Monday their their hours are from eleven until eight ish. The reason why it says eight-ish is because they serve until they run out of food, okay? And on Sundays, it's 11 until four-ish, but they say you better get here quick, and it's true. If you go to Pappy's any day of the week, they open at 11. If you get there by about 1045, the line is all the way through the restaurant and down the sidewalk about a half a block down the street, all right? If you get there by one o'clock, you're not getting ribs, If you get there by 2.33 o'clock, you're not getting brisket. And again, on Sundays, they're definitely closed by 3.34 at the latest. Their food is amazing. And so we lived a little over two hours from Pappy's. I had no problem making the two-hour drive to get Pappy's barbecue. It has a voice, and it calls to me. (laughs) And so one day I was there, and, and there was Pappy, and I was honored to meet him. And I said, you're pappy. And he said, said, yes. And I said, your barbecue is amazing. And he said, thank you. I said, can I ask you a question? I said, you're, you're, you constantly run out of stuff. I said, why don't you expand? He said, "He said, son, let me tell you something. By the way, anybody who calls me son, that's, a, that's just a glorious thing. <laughs> right? Seriously, at 51 years of age, when somebody calls you son, that's a gift. He says, son, let me tell you something. He said, first of all, if I, if I expanded, I couldn't control the quality. Secondly, if I expanded, that would just mean more work. And he said, I don't know if you can tell this from my belly, but I eat good My family eats good, and I have no problem going to sleep when I put my head on my pillow at night. And before I began the conversation with Pappy, I thought, this guy's foolish. Why doesn't he leverage this? He could make so much more money. After talking to Pappy, I said this, this guy gets it. He understands what it means to live a balanced life. God has called you, friend, to be balanced. It's a reason why he tells us this in Galatians chapter five, it says, "It was for freedom that Christ set you free. It's for freedom that Christ set you free. Don't, don't allow yourself to be yoked again to this bondage of slavery. Don't don't allow yourself to be connected to these activities or these ideals or even these philosophies that keep you bound. I believe this. I believe that the biggest reason why people have struggles with church is because... the church, it reflects what really is on some level human nature, and that is this. We have a tendency to become unbalanced. We have a tendency to become unbalanced. And and you know what? The the tools that we have and the resources that we have in our world today, it fuels this issue of unbalance, okay? Let me ask you a question. Have you ever sat down and started watching an episode of a show that you like on Netflix, and the next thing you know, it's three days later. (laughs) Right? It sucks us in. We become become unbalanced. Or you… I hate to tell this story, but I I feel compelled to tell you this story. This happened to me, I don't know, maybe ten years ago. I was home, and and I was struggling with a sore throat, and my wife had bought those um, for the children. She had bought those for the children. Um, She had bought those, you know, the the popsicles that come in the long plastic tubes, right? Uh, You know, you can get like 800 of them for a dollar, it seems. And uh, so, anyway, we had some of those in the the freezer, and and just my, my throat was really bothering me, and I thought, you know what? I bet one of those popsicles would be very soothing. So, I got one of those, and Oh my goodness! It, I'm telling you, it was like just a little bit of heaven right there. And so I sat there and I, I sucked on that popsicle until it was gone. And then we had plenty, so I got another and, and then yet another and another and another and, I had 19. And uh, <laughs> they're not that big, right? It's mainly water, and we're mostly water, so just right. Well, here's what I didn't realize. I didn't realize that as I was eating those popsicles that my mouth had gotten frozen. Those plastic tubes can be sharp. I managed to cut both sides of my mouth and not know it until my mouth thawed. And then I realized the pain of, of being unbalanced and, and binging. That was pain for a moment. an unbalanced washing machine will make noise but it's it's a noise for a moment an unbalanced car tire will cause your car to ride rough but it's just for the journey an unbalanced life that's another story altogether isn't it in our physical body when our physical body becomes unbalanced it's called disease. The doctor gives you a diagnosis of diabetes. It's, it's your body's unbalanced. Gives you a diagnosis of anemia. Your, your body's unbalanced. In our spiritual life, that unbalanced life has... Potentially for us and the people around us, it has lifelong and even eternal consequences. And that's when, when, when Paul writes to the church of Galatia, he, he addresses this, right? And, and, and he tells them this, he says, listen, it's, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and, and don't let yourselves be burned again by a yoke of slavery, He says, don't do it. And and he he gets into this issue of of how how the the, the church has has mistakenly connected with this issue of legalism, right, and judgmentalism. He gets pulled aside. And a few verses later down in, in verse number seven, he says this, you are running such a good race. What happened? You were doing this so well. You were were displaying the joy of the Lord. It was your strength. You you were walking with this this wonderful, deep peace, a peace that goes beyond understanding. And Yet somehow you went from having this contagious joy and this life about you that would make people want to hang out with you and would make people want to connect with the God that that had changed you To now they just go, I don't know what the deal is with that person, but here's what I know. I don't want to be like them. You are running such a good race, he says in verse 7. Who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. He then says this in verse 13 of the same chapter, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but but don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you'll be destroyed by each other. Right? The church had become this kind of competitive, kind of icky mess. I don't know if you've ever experienced that. How does that happen? How do we go from receive the Holy Spirit to being ugly towards one another and and ugly towards those who are not yet connected to Christ? It happens when we become unbalanced. Okay, let me, let me, at the risk of offending some, let me tell you a part of being a pastor, and I love being a pastor. Let me tell you a part of being a pastor that I don't like. I don't like the fact that, that, that there are a lot of people that every time they talk to me, they want to talk to me about, about Bible things and church things. I don't know if you know this, you can talk to me about the weather. You can talk to me about politics. You can talk to me about sports. You can talk to me about culture. You can talk to me about life. You can talk to me about food. Oh, can you talk to me about food? <laughs> See, there are some people that just eat to live and others that live to eat. I'm a live to eat kind of guy. I- I'm there. We live in this real world, and, and there's something about being balanced, See, that's the reason why when the Word of God says this, it says, let your conversation be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that those around you will listen. As a a worshiper, I believe that being passionate in worship is a wonderful thing. Being uh, Being obnoxious in worship is not. And that's the reason why we encourage you here at Calvary to be expressive in worship, but also we should be balanced. So how do I know that I'm in balance? Well, let me offer this to you. And, and, and now let me, let me let me just give this as a disclaimer. What I'm about to give you, this is actually from a message that I preached a little more than a year ago. But, but as, I, as I studied for... For today, and I was thinking about the issue of balance, I kept coming back to this over and over again, uh, and I thought, you know what, Ed, if you taught it, it's probably pretty good, so it's probably worth hearing again. <laughs> Thank you for laughing. I appreciate the humor in that because I wouldn't want people thinking, wow, he's really stuck on himself, which is not, trust me, is, is not the case. But, but here's, how we, here's how we find balance, and, and let, let me give these to you uh, real quickly this morning. Number one, we find balance by replacing rules with relationship. We find balance by, relation, by, by replacing rules with relationship. That's what Galatians 5, Galatians 5 1 affirms to us. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. See, rules are about my accomplishment, and they're, 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 they're me focused. It's the difference between meology and theology. Rules are about what I'm capable of doing. It's about, it's about what I can take credit for, and that's meology. Living this life of grace, understanding that it's Christ who set us free, well, that's theology. Titus says this, Titus 3.5, it says, He saved us not because of righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth, and renewal by the Holy Spirit. Isaiah said it best when he declared this that any righteousness that we attempt, that our, our righteousness is as filthy rags. But in Christ, in Christ, we have this glorious freedom. Not by works, not by the things that we do, but because of the work that He did on the cross and just accepting that free gift and walking in relationship with Him. And, and, and when, we, when we recognize that, when we recognize that we, can, that we can replace rules with relationships, it helps us to push back against or to reject the religious dogma. Right? There, there are far too many in the, in the Christian world, in the cultural Christian world, that have this firm set of beliefs and that firm set of beliefs is based on the religious tradition they've experienced rather than an understanding of the Word of God. Friend, this is the reason why as a church we challenge you, encourage you, and resource you into digging into the Word itself. I am loving the fact that we have hundreds of people that are reading through the Bible with us this year as we read through the chronological Bible. And, and listen, if you've not yet done so, you don't have to start reading through the Bible in a year on January 1st. Can I, can I offer you this? You can start in May. And if you started today reading through the chronological Bible, you can read through the entire Bible, taking about 12 to 15 minutes a day, you can read through the entire Bible in a year. And by next spring, you, can, you could have read through the entire Bible. And, and, and the more that you know God and the more that you know about Him, the easier it is to push back against the religious dogma and embrace God for who He really is, understanding His character, which gives a completely different perspective on the commandments. Because when we understand God's character, what we discover is this, is that the commandments aren't, are not things to control us, they're things to free us. That the directives that God gives, it serves as guardrails in our life that allows us to go further faster. It's amazing what, what balance does. When we re- replace rules with relationships and, and we, we push back against, we reject uh, the religious dogma, and not just the religious dogma, that, that but also that we that we recognize and we push back against the human pressure. It, here's what Paul says in Galatians five seven. He says, "You are running a good race. Who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth?" It's it's worth noting that almost always what trips us up is people. It's people. Now, even when it's things that trip us up, oftentimes that's a result of us buying things that we don't need with money that we don't have to impress people we don't like. True? And the reason for this is because we were created, we were designed to be relational beings. And because we're designed to be relational beings, even though we like to say, I don't care what people think about me, I have never met someone who says, I don't care what people think about me, that I couldn't look at and say, liar, liar, pants on fire. Right? Hang them on a telephone wire. It's not true. Why? Because we, we, are, we are these relational beings. and So we get, we get sucked into that. You're running a good race. Who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? Well, let me tell you what he did to me. Let me tell you what she did to me. Let me tell you how these people were unkind to me. Let me tell you how they took advantage of me. I believe this is why Scripture makes very clear the importance, the significance of forgiveness. But also, in living out Paul's challenge, for am I now striving to please God or men? For if I'm striving to please men, I am not a bondservant of Christ. You know, one of the things that's tough for me as a pastor is this. If you're in the political world or in the barbecue world, um, you know, if a percentage of the people don't like you, it is what it is, right? Because there's another barbecue place down the street. God bless you. You know, they're friends of mine. Go eat their barbecue. In, 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 in the political world, if somebody has a 60% popularity rating in the political world, it, it's a, that's a landslide. Here, if I have a 90% approval rating, That means on average, any given Sunday, 100 people don't like me. It drives me crazy, the idea that one person would not like me. And it's real easy to get sucked into trying to keep people happy. Well, Shannon, let me tell you something as a business owner. This is something that, I, that I, I tell our pastors often. Frank, in, in, in your role as a, as, as a business leader, if you're going to lead, you do not get to choose whether or not you make someone mad. You just get to choose who you make mad. Okay, You're going to, every week, you're either going to make a customer mad or an employee mad or a competitor mad or a supplier, man. And you, as a leader, you have to make those decisions all the time. And if you live your life trying to keep everyone happy, let me tell you who's not gonna be happy. Exactly. Shannon's wife first pointed at Shannon and then she pointed at herself. It, it, it doesn't work. Now we need to live our life in such a way that if people want to say something bad about us that they have to make it up, right? The Word of God encourages us, let your light so shine that they see your good works and they go, wow, God's amazing because that guy, that gal is a Christ follower and look at the way that they live their life. And, and that, that becomes a reality when, when we live out what Paul says in Galatians 5 starting in verse 13 when he says you you were called to be free but, but don't use your freedom to indulge in the sinful nature. Rather serve one another in love because the entire law is summed up in this single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other watch out or you'll be destroyed by each other. See it's it's shifting away from a, from a me focus to relying on the Holy Spirit. How do I know when I'm doing that right? How do I know when I'm doing it well? Is it, is it based on what others say about me? Wow, that seems pretty subjective. Is it based on how I feel about myself? That seems pretty dangerous. We don't have to guess. Because here's what God's Word says. It says that if we're living the life that God would call call us to live, if we're living by the Spirit, So the gifts of the Spirit, these divine enablements and empowerments that God gives us through the presence of the Holy Spirit of God in our life, that those will be evidenced by and balanced by love, joy, peace, patience goodness kindness gentleness faithfulness self control self control okay so let's talk about the person that wants to be crazy and act like a fool in a worship service i just can't help myself wrong This is a place where you should pray in the spirit, where you should sing in the spirit, where listen, you can dance in the spirit, you can laugh in the spirit, you can cry in the spirit, and this is a place where we want there to be a freedom of the Holy Spirit. This is a Pentecostal church, okay? It's okay to get loud here. It's okay to be expressive here. God made you an emotional being. It's okay to be. It's it's okay to be emotional. It's not okay to be a show. It's it's okay to to press in and wrestle with God. It's not okay to wrestle with the person next with you, next to you. Because the Bible says that there's supposed to be a spirit of gentleness upon us. Love, joy, peace, patience. That's what we're called to live. That's what we're called to exhibit. And that's how I know if my life is right. That's how I know if my life is balanced. Love. Joy. Peace. Patience. Gentleness. Kindness. So how do I get there? That's a great question. God gives us this list in Paul's writing, the fruit of the Spirit, in in, in the book of Galatians, New Testament, Galatians chapter 5. Right there, right alongside Galatians, Paul wrote another book, the book of Philippians. Philippians. And here's, here's what, here's what under, the, under the anointing of God, here's what Paul writes. Directed by God, he writes this. So it's God's word to us. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are noble, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are admirable, excellent, praiseworthy. Let your mind be focused on those things. Because we're supposed to set our heart on the things above and we're supposed to set our mind on the things above. And when we do that, life comes into balance. Now, the way that this looks in an individual life is the fruit of the Spirit. The way that it looks in the life of a church, okay, and there's some of you, I want to help you this morning, hopefully set you free a little bit. Because for some of you, you grew up in an unbalanced church environment. And you grew up in an unbalanced church environment towards rigidity. And so anything that has uh, a liveliness to it is uncomfortable to you and you go, oh dear God, please don't let my church go that direction. Or, because you grew up in rigidity and you don't want that, you really would love Ringling Brothers Barnum and Bailey every Sunday morning. Okay? Some of you grew up in a church that just had a whole lot of craziness going on. Right? And If if we have a church service where we leave and the women, their makeup's not ruined, we didn't meet with God. And we we, we equate God with emotion. And the idea of whether or not the church is is in a good state is how how emotional we get. And so you're chasing after this emotional connect, and and it's not... (laughs) listen, that's not what's going to bring a a sense of completeness to your life. Or you grew up in that and you go, I don't want that, right? So again, let me just just speak to the pressure of being a pastor. I I can't please either of those. Here's what I can do. I can say this, God, we're going to be a church that is going to have Balance. Connect. If you're here this morning and, and you have not made a connection to Jesus Christ or to his family, you've come to the right place. Because today is your day to say, God, I recognize that my life doesn't work without you. That I am imperfect, what the Bible calls a sinner. And I, I understand the consequences of that sin. And, and God, I, I, I want to I give my life to you. I want you to take control. I hear people using this term, being Lord of. and That might not be my vocabulary, but I do know about giving you control of. If you give God control of your life, doesn't he, he can make it work. And he also, he wants you to be connected to other people that are journeying journeying this together, right? And and this is your your time right now. This is your time to connect with God. And it's your time to connect with God's family. Because what you're going to find out about this is we're imperfect like you, but this is a very safe place. Grow. Grow. It's important that we're growing, that we're growing in our understanding of who God is and that we're growing in our understanding of his principles and that we're growing in our understanding of who who we are and how he's made us. Can I offer to you that can't happen in an hour and 15 minutes, hour and 30 minutes on Sunday mornings? If you're not connected to one of our classes, if you're not connected to a small group, listen, as busy as I am, as busy as my family is, Jody and I are connected to a small group and we work really hard to not miss it. You need to be in in, in something that that feeds you, allows you to grow. But we're also, we're supposed to be serving one another and we're supposed to be serving our community. If you don't have a ministry outlet, let me say this, a Christian without a ministry outlet is a contradiction. It's a contradiction. And as a as a, as a Christian, as a church, we're incomplete if we're, not, if we're not going. And as the world talks about us, that they would say, these are people who demonstrate love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control that's balance so as we come together some Sundays you're going to see this altar packed some Sundays you're going to see people laughing and shouting some some Sundays you're going to see people crying it's not going to happen every Sunday it doesn't mean that God's not here it means that he's doing a different work that Sunday and that's okay because it needs to be balanced. A diet of entirely popsicles doesn't work and it can be dangerous. God's calling you to live this balanced life. Moving forward with endurance. Utilizing this energy that God has given, connecting it to movement and making sure that in what we do, that we stay balanced. It's the CrossFit life. It's the life that God makes available to us because of the cross. And when you live there, here's what happens. You can do this. You can breathe. You know, Pappy, he got it right. Could I be doing more of this? Yeah, but then my life would be out of balance. And when I put my head on my pillow at night, I have no problem going to sleep. I believe that's a word for some folks here today. I believe more than that, this is a word. Balance. Balance. So God, I I thank you for, for worship today. It was powerful. And the understanding that when we're walking, in joy and walking in victory that you are God. Yet when we're walking in the battle when we haven't yet reached the summit you are still God. When we're on top of the mountain we can rejoice in you but when we're Standing before another mountain, we can still rejoice in you. You are a good, you're a good God. We thank you, God, for, for your word for this church today. Balance, balance, balance. And now, God, we ask that you would do this work. That you would allow your Holy Spirit, each one of us, God, myself included, that you would allow your Holy Spirit to evaluate everything that we're involved in, everywhere that our thought life goes, that you would reveal to us those things that are out of balance. And give us the courage in these moments to to surrender the unbalanced part of our life to you. God, for some of us, it's it's an excess in the area of relationship. God, for some of us, it's an excess in in an area of activity. And some of us, it's being captivated by an unhealthy habit. God, for some of us, our unbalance is religion. Religious tradition. God, for some of us, it's being captivated by our pain. And so we ask... In this moment, by the sweet ministry of your Holy Spirit, that you'd bring our life and our world, our family, our walk with you, back into balance.